All good. What is up, everybody, and good evening, and welcome to the Angry American Nation podcast with your favorite Angry American. And as always, we have the illustrious Sue LaRue with us tonight and Bob Toombs of Mountain Readiness. And our guest tonight is Josh with Stony Ridge Farms, a, a serious homesteader. Um, yeah. He's doing it for real, who, who understands the needs of food, being able to pr food production, being able to produce your own food. Um, and and they, no matter what you store, if you're not have the ability to produce food, you're going to be in trouble. And Josh, that's what you're working towards, right? You're looking for that self, that more self sufficiency in life at Stony Ridge, yeah. right? Yeah, that's it, man. It's all about the need for feed, not the need for speed. So <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that before. The need for feed. That's that's actually really good. That's it. Yeah, I, I, uh, man, this is something I touch on a lot on the channel. I go into some rants. I, my, my. YouTube, my social media handle is Stony Ridge Farmer. If you guys don't know who I am, I'm on the, basically all the, all the networks or whatever, but uh, my main platform is YouTube. And um, I met T through the Mountain Radius uh, event this past year. Enjoyed that. Super awesome. If you guys are, are local, anywhere close to North Carolina, go to that event. It's awesome. That was great last year. And I can only see it. Hopefully you're going to do it again this year. I can only see it getting better and better and better. So we've got one in October. Nice. Most definitely October and the first weekend of May. So I'll be uh, talking with you before we hit that point, Josh. Okay. Cool. Good deal. That's awesome. awesome. Well, uh, it'll be yeah. nice to get back out there, dude. Cause you know, with mountain readiness, the first one went so well. Uh, and now this is going to be our second one that we're going to do. Little different, little different take, more of a gathering than than, than anything. But there's lots of classes going to be there, lots of fun. This is going to be a family friendly event where we're going to have trick or treating for kids and costume contests and, and all kinds of fun like that. And we're going to run things a little different tonight. We're going to be answering comments. We're not really going to respond to your comments until later in the show. So if you've got something specifically you want to ask Josh in regards to homesteading, food production, livestock, all that kind of stuff, animal husbandry, um, put hashtag Stony Ridge Farmer in your comment. And we'll get those corralled off to the side, and we'll respond to as many of them as we can, as long as Josh wants to answer them. <laughs> All right, Josh. Oh, yeah, we're. I'm here for the duration, however long it takes, brother. Awesome. awesome. So you've got a 150-acre homestead in North Carolina, right? Yeah. So I can give you a little little history on the on the whole thing here. I I was an angry American. Uh, <laughs> I uh, so I, I I grew up. Ah, uh, you in still the are. Uh, maybe so. Uh, I grew up in the country. I'm not a whiner, though. I'll tell you that. Um, I grew difference. up in the country, and I grew up on a bit of a homestead. We had cattle, and we we had sheep and goats and and pigs, and we raised hogs every year. And Dad pretty much was raised by by people who ate soul food. My great grandfather taught my dad how to process hogs and, and preserve meat and stuff like that. And this has been passed on to me. We've got a whole three or four part series on the old timey Appalachian uh, hog kill. And that was absolutely great. Fantastic to do that with my dad. And uh, anyhow, I grew up that way. And I, I went in the military right out of high school, went in the Air Force, spent my four years, four and a half years and uh, lived in Utah. Uh, out, I was stationed out there and, and started my first business, bought my first piece of what they call horse property out there, which is one acre. Um, <laughs> so your ranchette, <laughs> that's it. Started growing on my ranchette, we called it the chicken ranch, and uh, it was a party place pretty much because I was 20 years old, man. And I 20, 22 years old, I had the, the party house, so everybody came to the chicken ranch. We brought chickens in, set them on our shoulder at night, and all play games and have fun. <laughs> So leading into that, that's that's about the time that uh, our 9-11 hit. Uh, so I got out just before that, and uh, I started my own business. It was called Mr. Fix-It Handyman Services. And I just did odd jobs, and 9-11 uh, hit, and the, it just, poof. And at that time, I bought a bunch of houses up. I was 23 years old, uh, and I had about seven houses. 
and uh, I I was chasing that uh, real estate dream. And uh, I ended up having to go back to school. So I'm a registered nurse also. Uh, I started out, uh, I was an electrician in the Air Force. I was a lineman, one of the, you know, one of the macho jobs of, of Air Force people that you don't hear about. And um, then I got my nursing degree and I moved back home, closer to home. I moved back to North Carolina. I grew up in Martinsville, Virginia and uh, NASCAR town there. And, yeah, boy. Uh, then we, uh, we bought some property. Uh, my wife and I got married um, and uh, I told her on the first date, I want to get back to the country. I want to live a good, clean country life. And I want to be more self-sustainable. And this started with honeybees. So, you know, a spoonful of honey and a spoonful of uh, uh, bee pollen is enough to sustain man for the day, right? For one day, it really is. So, yeah. Uh, so I used to raise bees, too. I had, I had hives, several hives for quite a while. Yeah. So I did that. I called them Mountain Dew Bees because we were in town. I had a third of an acre. I lived in downtown for a while and did the little party date thing. You know, I played music in bands and stuff like that. And I, I did all that. And then I bought a little place and started growing a huge garden. It looked like Jurassic Park. Figured out an ecosystem <laughs> in that garden. I had, had chickens, honeybees. Had a deal with the local organic food store, so I got all their scraps every day. We would vermicompost, so everything was just a self-sustaining system in there. And uh, nice. took it to the next level. We moved up to uh, the farm, bought a, about 60 acres from one of my patients, and came up here to a briar patch. And now, if you look at the channel, it's no longer a briar patch. It's a full-on working cattle farm and homestead. So, Yeah, you've yeah. done a ton of work on that patch of dirt since you acquired it because because yeah. i've watched some of your videos quite a few of your videos uh and uh it's amazing just watch land management progress and yeah and evolve over time what kind yeah. of what kind of cattle are you are you raising so currently we are with uh we have angus beef cows and we're breeding in a breed called the south pole so we just bought what's called a South Pole Bull, and it's supposed to be better grass genetics. Uh, so what we do is we're going to breed our Angus to the South Pole and try to breed in some better grass genetics into the farm. We're in the cattle production about the third year right now. We started out with two, went up to four, and now we're at 50. So wow. it's a... It's wow, a, that's pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, we, we went up pretty quick. I bought a herd from a guy two years ago, and we had 16... And the numbers just keep going up, 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 up. And eventually the goal is to have about 100 and to process somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 a year and sell beef direct to the public. And we're, I'm working through that this year. Hopefully by mid-October, I'll be uh, I'll have a mail order system where people can order beef right off the farm. Well, let me know when that's ready because I'll be a customer for sure. Are you are you running any through the auction or are you no, just raising uh, right now? I, so I started out doing that, man, and and it just doesn't make any sense for me to raise such a premium product. These cows get no medications unless they're sick. They get no steroids and they get no antibiotics in their food. They get no grain. It's all grass fed. It's all native grasses and grasses that come up on the farm. It's all uh, there's no fertilizer sprayed on uh, put on the farm, applied to the farm. There's no chemicals put on the farm. There's there's no poisons on the farm. It's just cows on grass. And if they thrive, they thrive. And if they don't, they go bye-bye. They either go to freezer camp or they uh, go to the market. What, Sue, what kind of cattle are you raising, man? I, I kind of did the same thing. Uh, yeah, I accidentally ended up with a... Uh, a two Brahmas. That's what we started off with. I went to the, 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 the auction to get some, uh, get some poultry and then ended up coming back with two calves in the backseat of my F-250. Have uh, you seen that video? And, uh, but, uh, you didn't, you didn't have them in the truck before you had the fence built, did you? <laughs> well, I had the, I had the pasture built. What I did was I just leased uh, my neighbor's property on the other side of the Creek and he's, he's getting older and he didn't, he, he hates to see the, uh, the encroachment of all these subdivisions and stuff on there. So uh, we got together. He's a great guy and everything. And I said, well, let me lease a property. And he said, well, you just build it up and make it look country and put the pasture or put the fence up around the pasture. You, you know, that's, that's, we'll consider that uh, your, your lease payment. And I said, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So, so Robbie and I started out with uh, that and uh, we, then we, uh, we went to, uh, we got three, uh, 
We're at three Angus heifers now. We're getting one more. And uh, one of those heifers that we bought, and I got the receipt that says heifers on them, peed out of her belly. And I was like, uh, that's not a heifer. That's not a heifer. So I, I have a Brahma bull that I haven't figured out what to do with, but uh, my wife's already named it Charlie. So hopefully I can make it gentle like a Brahma bull in India instead of the Brahma bull that I used to see at the rodeo trying to hook your ass. <laughs> so, Absolutely. But we have chickens. Hey, I, I have. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Sue. Uh, we have we have chickens too. We have ducks and everything. And so mm -hmm. I, I I I hope that you can make it to the fallout because I'll, I'll be uh, hanging all kinds of questions in your ear there. Uh, and uh, I just uh, I I really have a lot of questions. I've been, I've been trying to do this kind of thing, and that's that's why I'm part of this group. Uh, is we were talking about uh, self reliant communities, and if you if you read uh, the the Going Home series, uh, you know Chris Webman's books. It talks about communities getting together and sharing skills and, like you said, the need for feed, keeping people alive and sustaining is a community effort, not just one family or one guy or bushcraft. Bushcraft will keep you alive for a while, but it won't sustain you. You know what I mean? It's hard living, though. That's that's that hunter-gatherer thing. We stopped doing that a long time ago for a reason. And real quick, exactly. I want to remind everybody, guys, don't forget that after this, over on Rumble, we do the On the Rock show. So stick around and jump over there and catch us on Rumble through Patreon. Um, so, Josh, do you, with that many cattle that you're running, I mean, you've got plenty of acreage. I don't know. What's, like, the, the acreage per beef up in North Carolina area, like? What's your minimum that you're trying to run one cow on? And then the second part of the question is, are you using rotational grazing and pushing them through or, or how are you doing it? Yeah. So what we do, what I'm doing on the farm right now is intensive rotational grazing. They're moving twice a day out here on the farm. So our wow. grass never has a chance to, to get stunted. Hopefully never has a chance. So we're in the building phase right now and we have hiccups and we have issues and then I travel sometimes for, for the social media business. So I'll, I'll go to Minnesota. I'll open up enough for them to have three days worth. And so what, what our goal is, is to move twice a day in the summertime, uh, about once every other day in the wintertime when we're feeding hay. We roll out hay in the wintertime. I've got somewhere in the neighborhood of about 90 acres-ish, 85 to 90 acres fenced, and you in North Carolina, you can just about, in my area, sustain one cow per acre uh, in the in that intensive grazing, and maybe more, maybe, maybe uh, one cow per three-quarter of an acre if we get that rotation going just right and we get everything uh, recovering just right. So we're, our goal is 90, uh, 45 days of rest between grazings. So we'll have 90 individual paddocks that the cows will will graze through so are you using like hot wire is that how you move them just stringing up temporary yep. fence hot wire them in and yeah pushing them yep. do every, you run uh, do you run chickens through behind them or anything like that i do i've got an egg mobile that uh the foxes definitely love it's an all-you-can-eat fox buffet uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so the chickens seem to recycle themselves thank goodness my uh murray mcmurray hatchery is a good friend of mine uh, so, uh, but we currently have, I think 10 or 12 chickens left out of a hundred and the foxes are leaving them alone after walking out yesterday morning. And when I woke up yesterday morning, there was a fox sitting right in my front yard. And so I went out with the bang, bang and, and took care of that. I think I winged him. Uh, predator so, control is a thing. That's for sure. You, you got to watch predator it. control. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So what we're doing, we're doing the pasture sanitation behind kind of like the Salatin program, except for my own little twist to it. Uh, there, there, that's, that's kind of what got me into, into all this. And if you guys aren't familiar with Joel Salatin up at Polyface Farm in uh, Virginia, kind of a mentor, uh, just what he does is, is pretty amazing. Now, a lot of the things that I learned about what he does, this intensive mob grazing and Sue can tell you this cows don't eat just anything. They're not going to eat yeah. everything and they're going to go for the sweetest and the best first. And they'll graze that first and then they'll come back and they'll knock the tops out of the rest. And then they'll come back and eat the sweet, best stuff again. So it's uh, I, I pride myself on being an amateur cow psychologist <laughs> along with, uh, <laughs> along with uh, being a rancher, I guess. So and raising our own food. I mean, I've got videos out on on um, this Friday it is smoky beef barley soup. 
and I can 90 cans of that stuff. Like I, I've got some on the stove right now. I uh, just, wow. tonight, tonight's supper was, uh, was that beef barley soup that I made and the videos coming out Friday, like I said, and then some fresh corn that we got right out of the garden. Like you said, the community feeding itself. So my dad grows certain things in his garden and I grow certain things in my garden and then we exchange in between. So yeah, it's good. And I provide eggs to a neighbor and another neighbor might give me eggplant or they might grow mushrooms or whatever. So that, that's the, when you're building community like that, building that kind of sustainable community and it's not a hundred percent sustainable because nothing ever is. You're going to require inputs from somewhere unless you're living yeah. a hard ass life. Um, but, but that idea of being able to walk down the street with a basket of eggs, like you just said, and trade it for eggplant or, or, or whatever, or okra from somebody else or whatever they've got, you know, yeah, where everybody's yeah. working together. And a lot of people immediately dip into that. Well, that's socialism. No, it's not. These are voluntary relationships and engagements that are entering into, not compelled to, to do them. So uh, a lot of people get hung up on that. When you start talking about community and working together, a lot of people equate it immediately to socialism, which it's, it's totally not because this is voluntary. And it only makes sense. Yes, yeah. it's great. bartering. So yeah. you're just bartering your surplus. And yeah, that's a fantastic I, don't need, I don't need the government involved in my eggs. And I don't need the government involved in my neighbor that raises chickens or raises hogs. We don't need them involved no. in this process. We don't need we don't need to be taxed on it as it's handed over to the next person and the next person and the next person. And it eventually becomes nothing either. So that's that's one very important part of uh preparing for your future and being self-sustained. Yeah. And that's, that's what I noticed. That's what I love about North Carolina. And that's, uh, since I've, I got my cattle and started my little, uh, like we call it the LaRue zoo out here. Uh, yeah. uh, what, uh, what I'm really happy about is I was raised out West, you know, West Texas and Colorado. And, uh, it's just amazing, uh, uh from the local governments all the way up to the EPA, how these bureaucrats just sit there and make up regulations, never go through Congress or anything, never ask, you know, what's what's the third, fourth order effect? What's the long term effects of these regulations? And uh, they're trying to shut all these farms down all over the place, the smaller farms, yeah. you know, and the homesteaders and stuff like that. And my whole town in West Texas, Dale City, Texas, didn't exist in 1952. It's all desert. And what they came in is they drilled, they came in and drilled for water, pumped it out, and they turned the desert into an oasis of, of a really rich farm community. And uh, most of the alfalfa that's raised there still today goes straight to, you know, the Kentucky bluegrass farms and feeds the racehorses and stuff. It's high in protein and things like that. But uh, these guys started with nothing, no electricity in the 50s, in the 50s, you know, and there are lots of cattle and, and, uh, and it's gone through transformations from you know, cotton to tomatoes and things like that. But uh, there's there's things you got to go out there and try to do. And the community's got to work together because Dale City, Texas was 90 miles away from El Paso, which was the closest town. And since the 50s, they've never had a doctor or anything like that. So they, you always have those people that you can go talk to and, and you know, they, somebody needs to get to the big town to get to the doctor or, or have an emergency we get them out there type thing. So uh, here in North Carolina, like like uh, like they were the, like Stoney was saying that the, the what I'm really impressed about is how fast the grass grows back here. We get plenty of rain. We got great grass feed out here. Uh, and I do the same thing with my chickens. I got I got a little cut inside the uh, well, I got a little wire floor that I can just push the droppings into, into bins. And I take it out there and kind of spread it around a little bit and everything. And it just it fertilizes real well. And uh, I've got those, uh, got those four head out there right now. And then I'm just like, I got, I got to get a couple feeder steers, you know, on the seven acres I have that's fenced in. And th then I got to pull them out and put them on halters and, you know, tie them to a big rock or something to eat all this other grass. Cause I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with grass right now. It's, it's pretty impressive. So, and then, and then the, the local, uh, what I brought on that was uh, the local county here in uh, Jackson County, where I live, they have really backed off of some of these regulations. They, 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 the water department come back and told me, uh, why, why, are you, uh, why are you pumping water into your, in your troughs? I was like, well, I got this creek running by it and everything, and uh, I, I just pump water out of the creek. And they said, well, that's fine, but 
you can build your fence down to the creek. And as long as you're not running a hundred head, you, you, they can water right out of the creek. And I was like, wow, I wish I would have known that about uh, three months ago. Thanks. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty yeah. good. Well, Keep that's part of what we do on the farm. So we try to fence out all the creeks because it's the right thing to do. We'll give you a little, let's give you a little government story. Be ready for that. So I went to the local, uh, um, farm service office or whatever. And, and I said, well, there, I hear that I'm a veteran. I'm an Air Force veteran. I hear that there's money out here for veterans to build farms, to start farms. And I also hear that there's uh, there's money from soil and water for me to fence out my creeks and make sure that the animals are, are not in a waterway and for for me to do the right thing, you know, to, to set up water systems on the farm. Well, I, I applied and they're like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, there's 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 all sorts of, I think it's called CRP money for that. Uh, just sign sign up right here, we'll sign you up. So for three years in a row, I signed up for these programs for helping to build fences and all, I fenced out, while I built fences, I fenced every creek out, every waterway out, everything, because I wanted to do the right thing. That supposedly is the right thing to do. Not put pressure on the creek, not pollute it with manure, whatever. And I pumped, like you said, I was pumping. I was using ram pumps and siphons to ponds. I built ponds to hold water on the farm, built ponds for flood control. I've built th two ponds so far, and I've got three more in, in the uh, works. Well, uh, I never got anything out of it. I never got a thing in the world. And they said, well, what we need you to do, and you guys are all going to cringe about it. It's just, just going to make you cringe. We need you to, to go ahead and just drive some T-post around and let your cow drink from the ponds and from the creeks. So we need you to put some gates in and you need to, to show pressure on your ponds and creeks. And that way we can justify giving you the grant money to build your water system. And I'm talking, we're talking about a $70,000 water system here for the farm. I said, I'm not doing that. No way. So all summer last year, I built my own water system. I have a solar well. It doesn't, it's totally off grid. And I, I ran a, a mile of pipe and put in all my waterers and, and just did it all myself. The perfect water system. The, the And with what I do on social media, we're talking millions of views. The perfect example of what to do right your farm and could get no government assistance because I wasn't an idiot to start with. So I had to be an idiot to, to start with. I had to do it the wrong way first and damage the ecosystem first before I could get any assistance. And the people that got assistance were the people with hog farms and stuff like that with cesspools running over, running down into the creek. Which yeah, I that's, that's it's typical. Like, like in Florida, when FEMA comes in after a hurricane. Uh, they'll pay for your generators and fuel. It'll pay for all this stuff. But if you owned a generator prior to the hurricane arriving, they won't pay for anything. But if you're yeah. one of those people that ran out the last minute and buy one, they'll pay for that all day long. So they, they're, they're compensating you for your, your lack of preparedness or your lack of self-reliance, which boggles my mind. And, uh, yeah. but I'm curious too, on, on, on your, on your farm, do you do any permaculture stuff at all? Or are you just doing like traditional, till gardening and then the ranching side too no so uh all the garden now is all raised beds all the soil in the garden is all soil that i've built so we bring in i have local tree companies that come in and and they bring their uh, wood chips we put the wood chips in the manure spreader it's actually what i'm gonna be doing tomorrow and we'll spread that out on the pasture because we have no topsoil whatsoever here this is old worn out tobacco land all the topsoil is gone so it's the whole farm is a permaculture uh, permaculture experience. Uh, I built raised beds. I've got a wood miser sawmill, so I built raised beds. I can make it's like this, man. I can raise my own food, hunt my own wild game, make my own vegetables, make my own lumber, everything. And we've got a greenhouse going in this year also. So everything and anything that a man, woman, family needs to survive can be produced or made right here on the farm without outside input, aside from fuel. Fuel is our only prison. And now I have a solar system and an electric tractor. The greenhouse side of things, I can't hear this. The greenhouse side of things to me, because T, have you ever thought about permaculture on your property? Because you're all hill all around you. 
but permaculture would work actually, good I have. on your spot. I have. I've actually um, been talking with Billy Bonds. Um, Billy and I got together. He's actually going to be coming to uh, our fallout deal, doing a class. Uh, but permaculture, oh, cool. I think he's coming up on on our show here in the future, isn't he? Do we have Billy Bonds coming on? I'd have to look at the schedule I'm behind right now because yeah, we've been working. I believe on it was permapasture, permapasture farms, but no, we definitely, yeah. yeah, we definitely need to. Uh, we're trying to incorporate that here with the hillside uh, because we sat in this big horseshoe. It's just a big, huge horseshoe. We actually had to have a dozer come in, cut terraces down the hillside just to have flat land. You know, and speaking of cattle, you can always tell North Carolina cattle because. They're one side, their legs are a foot shorter than the other, you know, they're standing on the side yeah, of the hill. Appalachian um, cows, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Those Appalachian cows, man, they, they always got short legs on one side versus the other. Um, and, oh, on that note, I was super surprised. I didn't even realize that, Josh, you were going to be on here. I was, like, taken back. I was like, I can't believe Stoney's going to be on here, um, that you found the time to uh, hang out with the 400 million um, yards of concrete you still have to pour on that 32-acre complex of a garage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. That is an impressive 32-acre complex. <laughs> that, thing, yeah. that thing is like a city. I'm like, man, I, every time I get on and watch your tube, um, you know, I, I see you adding on there. That thing is That thing is awesome, to say the least. Say the least. Thank you. Thank uh, you. How and much I, more before you're done with that thing? Oh, good gracious. I don't know, man. I need to think I need to build onto it more, right? Uh, <laughs> so uh, what he's what he's talking about, I call it the mega shop. Well, it, it's uh, yes, it, it's basically a, a Walmart on my farm. No, <laughs> no it's uh, maybe a super Kmart. So <laughs> it, uh, what it was, was I needed a shop. I needed a workspace. I needed a workspace not only to work on equipment, but I also wanted a workspace and a place that, I mean, I play a little music, play guitar. You can see one sitting back here. I wanted a place where I could have a farm office, where I could have a butcher shop, where I could go in and show people how to do things like we make our, our own uh, apple cider. Or we make our own apple cider vinegar. We make our own apple wine. Uh, I'll start making Wait. wine once we get this spot all squared away. I'll do some catch, clean, cook. Uh, content up there because I want to take people because we I dress a deer different than than other people dress I want to go hunting and I want to take you hunting and with me and I want to bring you in and show you how we do it because people say well it's all gamey the way I do it it's not gamey so we're building a, a, a mad scientist room which is a butcher shop area in there with a roll-up door with a rail system where I can just hook things to it and make it easy and, and functional mm -hmm. You got the you got the whole Dexter kill room then right there in the yeah, in the that complex. Is, that's it. So well, you can have you have a walk-in cooler with the tracks going into it, so you can push them in there and hang them, let them age a little bit before you process that's them down. That's the idea. But actually, we don't. The way I do it, we don't age them. So I've got a three base sink system that I work with, and if, we've always done that since I was a kid. We skin them. Most people hang them by, with a single tree by the hind legs. Uh, we hang them by the neck and, and skin them down. I'm, I'm putting in a, a special bracket system and a pulley system outside so we can skin the deer just by pulling a rope or just hook them to the back bucket on the tractor and, and, and bring them on in, quarter them up, uh, put them in the sink. And, and we've got a, a very cool system that takes that. You can't tell it, the difference. You just think it's lean beef. Uh, so We'll have all that set up, got butcher blocks. I mean, my mind does not sit still. I've got to go. The The shop is 8,500 square feet right now, and uh, we'll be building the barnuminium part of the shop pretty soon. So downstairs will be a cool spot to, to hang with a nice wood stove uh, and, and air conditioned because I run hot all the time, man. It's got to be cold wherever I go. And uh, then we'll have a, a cooler, a walk-in cooler, butcher shop, mad scientist room where I can make, make all sorts of stuff. And then upstairs will be uh, an awesome apartment and we'll be doing some cooking shows and stuff up there. So teach people how to, again, take it from the forest floor to the, to the tummy. So it's good stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to give a little PSA. I'm, I'm doing this tonight via Starlink. Actually, I'm in North Carolina at the moment myself, but I'm out in the middle of nowhere. 
at my, yep. my good buddy's place, my buddy Brush Peter. We're out at his classroom for a class that's coming up here to start tomorrow. So I might I might get a little sketchy on my on my side, guys. I apologize for that. Um, it's, it's, hey, it's better what was here. So uh, I too am on Starlink. So are you? Okay, all right. Yep. I was wondering. Yeah, I'm getting one at the end of the month because uh, I'm gonna give it a shot down in Florida, where they say it's not supposed to be working yet, but. Looking at the map, I don't see how there's just a little hole where it doesn't work and the rest of the state does. And the little hole happens to be where I live. So I'm going to give it a whirl. So what, nice. what made you start a YouTube channel for the farm? Was it just because you had so much going on, wanted to share that stuff, or, or were you? Uh, I wanted to teach, action? man. I, I mean, I, I see myself as a teacher. I want to teach. If I know something, if I have knowledge that I feel like could benefit somebody, then I'll, I want to share that knowledge. And, and the, the drive to teach was really the driving factor behind the YouTube thing. The first video I did was how to sharpen your bush hog blades. And uh, I just thought, well, people would want to know how to do this. So how do you pull the blade off? How do you, you know, use a file, how to properly use a file, you know, do it by hand um, and, and everything that goes along with that. So uh, that was my first video. Uh, next video was like how to clean an oily mess up in your shop floor with kitty litter, I think is what I used. Uh, and just just how to stuff really and my, my most popular video i think is how to string a weed eater uh so <laughs> i mean for a farm channel it, it's odd but I, I i really don't want to put myself in the farm channel world i really would say that it's rural lifestyle content so it's hot rods it's uh you know i went to sema car show i'm a car guy there there's not a lot of uh content with with things that go bang bang but uh simply because of we're we're kind of limited on, on what we can do there but i've got good friends yeah. that are in the industry and noveski and magpul and uh you know I've, I've been to industry hunts before down in texas uh so i'm plugged into that industry but i just it's hard to touch that industry being in what i am in the rural lifestyle community no most definitely most definitely that whole monetized thing you gotta you gotta watch it we've actually even talked about that before back with the with the with the first event here so um i will say that um it, it, josh made me mad i was like man i'm gonna do a i'm gonna do a youtube about chainsaws because i'm a big steel fan you know i've got about 15 steel chainsaws and then literally the next day stony ridge farmer hey this is about chainsaws and how to how to sharpen chainsaws I was like man has this guy got me bugged or something i don't know what's going on you know <laughs> Uh, but it was a good one. It was good. One. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it a lot. Good, good show. You do a lot on even tools. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. you've got, I'm pretty sure every tool known to man at this point. It's a, just managing tool management is, is part of the reason why that shop's there, man. You got to come see me. Uh, just tool management. So I've got a whole chainsaw corner, a whole welding corner that's going in. Uh, oh, I don't, I don't have that kind of system whatsoever. Um, yeah, my 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 tool management system lacks the management side. You just need more space. That's the secret. Just I do space. need more space. And I'm glad you said that. Thank you, because that's going to help justify what I'm going to do. But we're going to take a quick break real quick. Let's run us a mountain readiness promo, guys. Remember, it's coming up October 20th and 22nd. You're going to want to be there. So let's uh, hey folks, see. This is, awesome. this is mountain readiness. doesn't matter what the event is that, that makes this thing go pop. It's, uh, it's going to be water, shelter, fire, food, security. That's it. That's what you need in a nutshell. He disappeared. He probably ran to the bathroom. I uh, want to remind you guys that you're watching, if you've got questions for Josh, remember, put hashtag uh, Stony Ridge Farmer in your comment, and we're pulling those off to the side. And in a few minutes here, we're going to start putting questions to Josh that you guys are asking. Um, so so tool management, you're, you're not doing, you're not going so far as like uh, an inventory system where you're checking stuff out to yourself and checking it back in to make sure it don't get lost <laughs> to you. No, but I am like the whiteboard that's behind you. I am going to build a maintenance schedule on my whiteboard for every piece of equipment because I literally 
have 13 trucks on the farm and about nine wow. tractors, skid steers, dump trucks, uh, ATVs, three ATVs, two UTVs, uh, just, just all this equipment that is nearly impossible to keep up with the maintenance on. Uh, so and wrapping my head around that. I mean, this, this is a major, major undertaking for, especially for one person. Um, well, here, here in what you just said about equipment alone, how did you finance this? Has this been just an evolutionary thing where you started with one thing and just kind of kept adding and, and when it, are you profitable at the farm? Is the farm producing so income right now or is it? 20, 2023 will be the first year of profit for the farm. And you got to think of it like this. Just say I want to start it. I wanted to open up a restaurant. I want to open up a Ruth's Chris, right? Well, I got to build a Ruth's Chris first. Yeah. And I got to hire, you know, then I got to buy all the equipment to do it. And then I got to buy the food to do it. And I, you know, so it takes, we're in the seventh year of building the farm. And this seven years has uh, has built us up to finally earning a profit off of the farm. Last year, we were about lost about eight hundred dollars. But you know, a along with building the farm, and people don't seem to understand this as a diversified source of income. This is this is. I had a guy come up to me the other day in a restaurant, and he said, "Are you Stony Rich? You're Stony Rich farmer, aren't you?" And he said, "Dude." you're a genius. I'm like, I don't know about that, dude. Uh, you know, he said, you managed to build your farm and your dream just by talking about it. And that's what I do. I mean, people don't seem to understand that the teaching that I do and the talking about and sharing what I do and the work that's involved in this, in the social media end of this really is a passion of mine and that has become profitable. So that's what has paid for uh, bought and paid for the farm. That and some strategic moves, some strategic land purchases and and sales. So uh, I, I had 200 acres. I bought some land across the way, uh, cut the property in half and sold it and and paid the farm off. So wow, nice. And in the midst of doing what I do on social media, you have companies such as like TYM Tractors that will reach out to you and say, hey, Josh, we'd love to have you, our tractor shown on your channel. We see that you're really doing it. You're the guy that's really doing it. We want you to test our stuff. So they'll send the tractor out, and, and I get to use it. So uh, that that's a huge part of it. You know, I've got uh, three, three tractors that I started out with, basically, and then we've added on more and more pieces of machinery over time. So it's a profitable business. The social media part is a, is a profitable business. I don't earn a ton of money. I'm not, I'm sitting here in a 14 by 80 single wide mobile home with the 8,500 square foot shop. You know where my priorities lie. I sleep here. <laughs> this is my yeah. I sleep here and the rest yep. of it is where I live. That's how it is around most of the world. It's just in uh, Western developed countries that people live indoors all the time and the rest of the world, they sleep indoors and they live outdoors. What yeah. what kind of terrain do you have on your farm? Are you are you, are you in in the hills or it's pretty flat or, or how? Uh, I guess my main question is, uh, you know, being from out west, uh, uh, I I think those briars and all the you know the undergrowth is just it's like a jungle to me. You know, out west we don't have that kind of stuff. We you know we don't have the uh, we didn't have the water out there or the rain, and uh, I, that's what's got me going towards goats because I got mountains and everything like that, and I want to buy some goats and just kind of let them just eat it off of there just instead of me going out and fighting it every day. And, and then by the time I get something cleared out where I started back, you know, two weeks ago it was overgrown again, you know? Gotcha. Well, your plants are talking to you. Okay. So when you've got overgrowth and you've got spots that need work attention like that, uh, your plants are talking to you. Goats are a great idea, but goats are a pain in the butt. Goats are little perpetual uh, dying machines. They just want to go find a place and, and get in trouble and die. So that's what we started with when, when we first got started on the farm. I think we started with 10 goats and it turned into like 40 goats. And then the neighbor calls me while I'm sitting on the beach and says, hey, man, the goats are up here on my porch eating my wife's flowers. I said, well, go outside oh. and go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they were fainting goats. And he's like, dude, that was so funny, man. It's so worth it. We want to walk the porch every night. <laughs> so uh, we started with goats and you need you do need that. Uh, and where are you? Where are you located, Sue? 
I'm I'm uh, right next to Cherokee uh, uh, up okay. here in the uh, uh, Smoky Mountains. Gotcha. So we are welcome back, T. Yeah, T. Oh, go ahead. Up. I was just welcoming T back. He showed back up. Unmute T. <laughs> um, we're uh, we are think of Hickory the way the land lays in Hickory. If you've been to Hickory, North Carolina. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I used to live in Lenore. Yeah, so we're like that. We're we're in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. We're actually yeah. a half hour north of Greensboro, ten minutes south of Martinsville, Virginia. So we're uh, near Hanging Rock State Park. So we're right in the foothills where it's it's the hills roll like the Shenandoah Valley, pretty much here. Yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to I used to live in Collettesville up there. On I had a I was trying to buy a big place. It's 147 acres on Wilson Creek right where it came out of the national forest and it was a beautiful and it was flat a lot of it was flat and uh but i mean i couldn't come to terms with the old fellow actually his kids convinced him to not sell it to me is what happened because they wanted to sell it after he passed so hmm. well that's, that's it was no a beautiful good. place that's a nice part of the country yeah that's that's 20 minutes away so back in high school days we used to cruise around collinsville area so yeah, that was that was back when people rode around. They got kids got out of the house instead of going. Ee, 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 yeah, yeah. First guy to get a car was the most popular dude in the neighborhood. <laughs> That's it. That's it. My guidance counselor said, "Josh is a good guy. Josh is a smart guy, but that car has ruined him." <laughs> All right. Well, well back, to, uh, back to the tool. Back to. I... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Em. Go ahead, Sue. Well, I, we were uh, uh, we were talking about his tool management and things like that, and all the maintenance on it. You got a lot of, you know, bar oil to oil changes, fuel that kind of thing. Have, have uh, uh, something that I wanted to to talk to the viewers about, and and probably we'll, we'll do a lot more of it at Fallout. Is uh, you know, what what if we get cut off from the fuel? What if we get cut off from the oil? Things like that, or, or do you? Uh, do you plan on doing any videos on hand tools like a you know two man saw, one man saw, uh, broad axes, that kind of thing for building things? Uh, yeah. Because that's to me that's that's just amazing. I, I finally found uh, you know I used to have the Foxfire series books. I found them, went looked through here, and I was like, people need to stop panicking. We got we got plenty of skills up here. We just we just need to practice them a little bit. Exactly the first firework, yeah. And I'm just like. That's how you build your smokehouse, right there. You don't. You you need an axe and a broad axe. That's it. You know, and uh, yeah, just get yeah. get busy. Get busy. Uh, so, and a crosscut saw if you got one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm slowly accumulating the uh, the old hand tools that the people used to build tobacco barns, and I'm sure there are tobacco barns up up your way too. Uh, the hand hewn log tools. So I've got a hewing axe now. I've got an as. Uh, crosscut saw, all that stuff. I've got all that. I, do I see a point in time realistically? And I know there, there's a lot of uh, fuel scares, I guess. I keep fuel stockpiled on the farm. I don't go buy fuel when it's expensive and I don't complain about it when it goes up. I just buy fuel when it's cheap and then I've got it on the farm and I've got it treated so that it hopefully lasts. So at any given time, gasoline-wise, I'll probably have 250 gallons of gasoline, which will power my sawmill for six months. Um, and at any given time, I probably have two to 500 gallons of diesel fuel on the farm. I try to stay ahead of that. And, you know, I worry also about power systems and uh, is, is our grid going to get – can we do without power? How do we do that? And like you're saying with the Foxfire books, uh, part of – a series that I'm going to do is how to build a spring house. So I've, I've visited my great grandfather's house up in Dam, Virginia, and we took a look and did a video inside their old spring house before they tore it all down and put a Dollar General there, uh, wow. which is really cool. Yeah. So I, the irony of that disaster, but yeah, how to refrigerate milk without refrigeration, how people did this back in 1840, 1850, you know, and that's how I'm trying to farm also to be, self-reliant in 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 the farming world too so i have a crop to graze in the winter and a crop to graze in the summer and uh and that i'm not dependent on someone else so that i have enough food in my larder which is some most people don't even know what a larder is or what what's a larder it's your pantry 
Okay. I was gonna say they, they only know pantry these days. You gotta, yeah, you yeah, gotta. It needs to be bigger than this. We're we're all buying food for the next two weeks, and we're not thinking about the next two years. And I mean, I've got canned canned goods that I've canned up two two years in advance. You stay two years ahead all the time with your canned food, and don't take much for a man to live. It really doesn't. You need to learn right. what to, what you can eat in the forest. You need to learn. The clover is sweet. You need to learn how to go go find wild mushrooms and have these delicacies of the forest, but also have it in the back of your head. Even squirrel, rat, mouse. I mean, you got chickens, you got eggs, you've got chickens, you've got mice or rats. You won't you'll never starve. A man with some chickens will never starve. We'll never run low of protein, that's for sure. So they can eat anything. 100%. 100%. And, and on that note, too, we've got, uh, you know, Americans just, we are wasteful. You know, how much do we waste? Oh, yeah. uh, we all do. You know, it's uh, because it's readily available, or at least it is for now. You know, when things are readily available, it's easy to say, I uh, just pitch that in the trash. You know, um, myself growing up without electricity and running water for that first 15 years. I mean, we had a spring box. We had a root cellar. We utilized all these old school technology, these things that our, our ancestors, our grandparents and our great grandparents relied on because there was no electricity. So um, that's something we all, all need to look at. Even if it isn't, you know, the world ending or some craziness that goes on, who knows where it goes, but just a natural disaster in itself. Um, you know, these are things that, how long were you without power here a while back? Um, wasn't it last year or something, Chris? You were out for a couple weeks or something, were you? There in Florida? Yeah, hurricanes typically knock us out for a week or two weeks of a shot when, if a hurricane passes, yeah. you know, where we get hit yeah. by it. And so, you know. Like you said, planning ahead. I've got fuel tanks on my property too. Right. They're presently empty because my fuel company uh, canceled my account without even telling me. But they left their tanks at my house, so I just got a new fuel company, and I'm getting those filled back up. Um, <laughs> We're just like I wanna... and I talked. You know, turn your uh, well, turn your uh, turn, turn your uh, turn your main breaker off to your house for a week. See, test those preps. See how that works out for you. Hey, if you don't oh, mind, I, we, Chris, we, real we quick, get to do that frequently. We get to do that frequently. I don't need to do that. Go ahead, T. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to give a shout out to, to I seen him come up in the comments earlier. It was Jason uh, with Kentucky Sustainable Living. They've got a uh, event going on right after our fallout in October. I think it's the next weekend. So good talking to you, Jason, the other day. Uh, maybe we can get, get with you here soon and do a little chit chat with you. Great guy doing the same things that we are trying to bring, uh, you know, homesteaders and preppers and Bushcrafters and everybody together to learn from one another and cross pollinate, cross pollinate these different different venues. Um, and I wanted to also tell Christy Renee uh, a big thank you because she said, "Hey, that picture should be a, a a poster for us to get signatures from the educators." And so this one's for you, Christy. That's number one of many we'll have at Fallout, and uh, we're just going to give that to you because it was a great idea. So there we go. We got we got uh, posters for Fallout as well. We even got pretty Sue LaRue there. Where is he at? There he is, Sue, right there at the top, looking fabulous. Uh, yeah, I, I need to grow my hair back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be there by that time. <laughs> well, hey, we've be got, uh, we've got a – a load of comments or questions actually for Josh and uh and and T I want to ask you to read these because my connection is kind of fading and I don't want to get garbled. So oh, Holly's gonna you're gonna make me put on, on my glasses, aren't you? What do I do with my reading glasses? Well, T you read them out, let Josh answer them, and I'm gonna step away and see if I can clean up this internet for just a second. So I'll be right back, guys. All, all right, right all right. And they're they're in the so comment got, uh, section. Well, here it is. We got Jay Knight. He said, So we found out today why our potatoes are so back ordered. The factory burned down, which, by the way, uh, we've seen quite a bit of these distribution centers catching on fire just by accidental coincidence, I guess, over the past year and a half. What's your thoughts on that one, Josh? Do you need potatoes? Do you really need <laughs> potatoes? I mean, do you? There you we go. Talk about, we talk about foods that are necessary for survival. Do you need potatoes? Do we need more starch? Do we need more starch? I mean, no, I do not. I do not yeah. need any potatoes at so, all. 
sit back, hang back. Them taters will be back sooner or later. Don't do, don't. What this is, this is, this is, this, this is the scare tactic that gets everybody frenzy buying, and turns our world into a ridiculous world. The potato factory burned. Go to the you know, the lawnmower factory is on fire. We got to go buy more lawnmowers. So there'll never be another lawnmower, you know. Uh, now, we, we can't get chips for our new trucks. We better go buy a new truck right now and pay 140000 bucks for it. I mean, just don't eat potatoes for a little bit, man. Just think about this. You know, and we back, back in the day, we didn't have potatoes all year long. In 1850, we might have had, you know, we, we had to store up potatoes. So buy potatoes when potatoes are available. And if they're not available, well, we don't get potatoes this week, kids. Well, that's it. Right? You know, another thing is, is how about how we lived, say, 100 years ago? I mean, really, weren't we more of seasonal eaters? You know, yeah. in the in the summer yeah. and through yeah. spring, summer, we we were using utilizing the garden. And then it get, as it started getting later, we used what we could preserve. And then in the winter is when we did our hunting and, and pulled meat. Right. So, yeah. so what's wrong with being a seasonal eater? Nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing at all. There's read, another one. Can you read those yet, Chris, or no? Uh, I'll try. So, so Will's asking, what is the best way to store meat without refrigeration and what would be the shelf life? So there's a bunch of ways to do that. What's your preferred way, Josh? Uh, we've got a great series out on old timey Appalachian hog processing, hog butchering. Search that. We'll teach you exactly how to preserve a ham. Uh, from start to finish, from the cow on the hoof to the to the ham hanging in the smoke shack. Uh, there, there are many, many ways out there. There's another farm called Hand Hewn Farm. They're in Ohio. Uh, they do a lot of meat preserving. We've done some videos with those guys. Hand Hewn Farm, like a hand hewn log. Yeah. Uh, great people. And uh, there, there's a lot of information out there on how to preserve meat without refrigeration. Uh, I will say that uh, that it's a fine art for sure, and you can't preserve all meats. You you need a fatty meat like a like a 350 pound ham uh, a ham off of a 350 pound hog. It's real fat. That that uh, that fat's very important. So, have you uh, ever tried the the lard method of pres preserving meat in lard, rendered I've lard, and let it. it set up on top of it? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I've got a refrigerator full of lard and it doesn't even need to be in the refrigerator. I don't know why I put it in there, but no, uh, we make, I've got several videos on how to make lard, uh, but I've never tried preserving it. We, you can also can meat. So let's talk about that. I mean, there's so many options yeah. about uh, for canning meat. I did a video probably six months ago. I went out and I bought 200 pounds of chicken and I canned every bit of it. I'm going to, when you ask the next question, I'm going to go in and get some of that. So this, this person can see that trick, trick six. Yeah. In fact, fine. I'll be right back. I'll go get some of that. You got to see grab, that. Go awesome. grab. All right. Yeah. yeah so well, the next question grabbing. is what is the meal of choice? So for cattle. So yeah, we'll get to take a look at it. Yeah. His next, yeah. Will was asking about the cattle in the next question, but uh, yeah. I think, I think it's important for our viewers to, to realize that when we talk about these things, we're not talking about, you know, uh, even even the preppers, if they, they they don't like this idea, I always like to think about you know being from guerrilla warfare, you know mindset, that sometimes you might not get to keep your property, but if you go buy these yeah. hand tools and things like that, and you learn the skills, and you get bumped off of that land, at least you have the skills in your head where you can teach or pass on to the to or uh, pass on to your your reliant community, okay, this is how we rebuild, or this is how we start over, or this is how we sustain ourselves until we can go back to our property and get back to our equipment and chainsaws and ATVs and things like that. But uh, I, I think it's a... Oh, daddy. Uh, so, I mean, here's what we got. We got canned turkey right here that, that dad canned and gave to me the other week. Believe it or not, this is uh, canned, this is wild turkey, canned wild turkey. That turkey was uh, walking around the field about six months ago. Uh, and this is mud turtle, uh, snapping turtle soup. So, really? yeah, so we're, we're canning meat. And uh, I've got a great video out canning, of that. And canning that meat, um, 
takes a bunch, if not all, that gamey taste out of it. I mean, I, I've always liked the canned meat. It smooths everything out. The stuff tastes phenomenal. I'll tell you something that I do not can anymore. I decided that I was going to can um, collard greens. Growers, yeah, it was collard greens. And um, I had like two 55-gallon trash bags full of collard greens, and I got 1.5 pints out of that. And I said, this is a waste of time, 100%. A humongous trash bag will get you one quart. That's all you, little bitty jar, you know. Spent hours, hours getting that print. Most horrible thing I've ever did in my life. That's why CBD oil is so expensive, man. Yes. Plants this big, but it only makes. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Wow. So, So moving on to the next one, Trick's asking about the preferred meal of choice for cattle. And then it's Kentucky Blue Ridge grass cover. And where do okay. you graze your cattle first? So three-part question. So, I know you can see them. So, Yeah, I absolutely can see them. So what we what we do on the farm, we have a multi-species pasture. So I, I totally subscribe to this idea. And again, having a medical background um, and having a background in a whole lot of things, law enforcement and military, um, I, I don't believe in a monocrop system. I think that that's what's destroying our country. Yep. I think a monocrop system, uh, the, the whole king corn thing where every corn's and everything and soy's and everything is horrible. I believe that my cows, we have multi-species pasture. They, you know, you think about it like this. You like lasagna, you're going to eat lasagna one day this week, or you're going to eat lasagna for the next 60 days. You're going to be sick. Same thing with the cows. They have to eat on the multi-species pasture. So the reason we rotate and we and we graze them on multi-species pasture, which could be ragweed, fescue, big blue stem, uh, blue gra- Kentucky bluegrass, if we have any out there on, on the pasture, uh, multitude of, of different species of grasses, weeds, legumes, clover. So there's no magic sauce there. And the land is speaking to you. The land is telling you. If the soil's too compacted, this type of weed will grow or this type of grass will grow. If the soil is too wet, then this type of grass will grow. We call it, I call it water grass. It might be called cress. Uh, so all these different things grow in these different places and you listen to the land and the land teaches you how heavily you need to graze those animals on that spot. If you want change, you overgraze. If you want things to get better in the spot that they're in, then you undergraze. They eat a third, they trample a third, and they leave a third. So um, there's there's science behind using cows as little bulldozers to change the ecosystem in your soil so that you're, you have uh, grass to graze. That being said, we'll hit the pastures with a uh, cool season grass, annual ryegrass this year. So that we have some green shot to feed the cows throughout the winter because we want to keep the cows on some green also. But another school of thought is these animals don't need to be wormed. They're parasite free virtually because they're not grazing next to their own manure. So you take what conventional cattle operation might be, which is fescue grass and leaving them out on the same pasture until it's all gone and then moving them over to a new pasture and then giving them grain. So you're feeding the cows one source of food in their own bathroom and expecting them to not get sick. Mm-hmm. So we can't yeah. do that. That's yeah, as people, we know better than to do it to ourselves. And the same rules right. should apply to our livestock, our food, you know, essentially. That's it. This thing where pioneers were dying, that was, that was legit. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Don't yeah. Eat in the bathroom, right. man. Eat in the bathroom. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I have. Yeah. It's like like serving dinner on top of the septic tank. You know, it's the same yeah, idea. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, not don't that I have it. I mean, that's just it. You got to watch how you do that. Yeah. And, and here's what I'm going to change everybody's idea of living right right now. You ever do a shower beer? <laughs> like a good shower beer long day at work oh, grab you a shower beer <laughs> shower beer so speaking of christy renee there t she's asking uh what about fruit trees do they factor yeah. into the shit and fan situation now, i'm gonna say yes to that but but josh are you guys growing any fruit trees you're doing any yeah, kind so of plan, passive like that every year i every year for about three years i was planting about 10 to 40 fruit trees 
And what I found was fruit tree management is very intensive. And I don't know if any yes, of you guys is. have raised fruit trees and been successful at it. Some fruit trees will grow very well where you are and some fruit trees won't. The soil type is very dependent upon how well that tree will do. I found that pear trees do pretty well in my area. I plant a pear tree, it's this big. Next year, it's this big. Apple trees, I plant an apple tree this year, this big. Next year, it's this big. I mean, so <laughs> it, it, and five years later, it's still this big. It, yeah. So you, you've got to plant the trees that you need are, you have to listen to the soil. I mean, really, you have to listen to the Yeah, you need a different too. variety than, than Charlie Brown apple trees, man, because that, that sounds like what Why? those are. Oh. Well, you know, uh, we've got the same issue. The cherry, the apple trees and the, and the pear trees are great. The peach trees and the cherry trees, they are not happy with the soil here. Speaking of shower beers as well, if um, if you need someone to get your back, we've also got Mountain Readiness. That's Tacticoozies right there. Tacticoozies. <laughs> so now this, this shower beer has got your back when you take a shower right there. There you go. <laughs> Is that Mason? So you, we, you've kind of covered some of this one already, but here Will's asking, how do you manage so many cattle and or land? In other words, do you have help? Which is I was wondering. You sound sounds like you have a fairly sizable operation. Obviously, you've got a lot of equipment, a lot of a lot of heads of livestock, a lot of acreage to take care of. And if you're pushing yeah. cows twice a day, how many people do you have there? Who's who? Do you, are you hiring help, or is it just the family doing it right now? It's me. It's me. Really? It's me. Wow. And then sometimes Miss Stony Ridge. She, she we were Mrs. Stony Ridge, but now we're Miss Stony Ridge. My wife, my ex-wife, and I are dating again. Uh, it's just me, but. Man, the what you have to build systems in your life. And if any of you guys are are uh, prior, prior military or prior law enforcement or preppers or uh, or or bushcraft folks, it's systems. You're you're working on systems. So I have a system uh, set up around my water tanks. The water is the central location for the cows, and they go out on a wagon wheel. So a, a pie-shaped portion is what they graze. All I have to do in order to move those cows, and literally I'll be in a hurry to do this because I need a shower beer. And I'll unhook the <laughs> I'll unhook the gate, and the cows know every day that 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 they're moving twice a day. So early in the morning, they're out there. Right now, they're out there mooing because I didn't move them tonight. They're fussing, but they're yep. right at the gate every day. When I go to move them, I open the gate. I I sing their cow song like woo, and they'll go right through the gate, latch it closed, give them access to the water in that paddock. And it's just that simple. Literally, it takes longer to get there to where I've got to move them than it does to move them. So it doesn't take that much work once you get a system in place. And it's all about setting up the appropriate systems, just like you'll have in your own home, you know, in your refrigerator. You, you, I'm sure everybody has a system in their refrigerator so perishables don't get pushed to the back. Well, we're rotating cows just like we're rotating stock in the fridge or stock in the in the prepper closet. You know, it's the same thing. Well, Josh, what what do you have coming up that you want that you want folks to know about, and, and where can they yep. find you and all that good stuff? Um, let's get that out real quick before we okay. uh, wrap yeah. this one up here. Man, you can find me on YouTube or or Facebook or Instagram or any any of the social media outlets at Stony Ridge Farmer. Uh, there's there's always something going on. I've got major construction projects with the mega shop, as T was saying. Uh, we just put up the outdoor kitchen, which is going to be super cool for butchering. We're going to be butchering hogs, uh, hopefully by the end of the year or January. Uh, so much going on. And, and soon we'll start offering grazing schools and classes on the farm where people can take a small farm like I have. And 150 acres is a small farm in, in consideration of what these what a normal size farm is. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's always something going on and it's always something different. There's different kinds of content coming out, whether it's picking the right zero turn mower, whether it's canning veggies or whether it's uh, raising cows and building fences or um, catching trespassers. You got a lot of that. Oh, going yeah. On. It's whole nother whole nother subject right there. Ranch security. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you know, do you know who Jack Spearco is? Sounds familiar. The survivalist. Their survival podcasts and Jack's a big time permaculturist and and what his business model in my opinion is brilliant because people pay him to come to his homestead and do his projects 
plant his trees, build his hugel mounds, you yeah. know, cut his 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 drainages, do all that stuff, and they pay him for it. It sounds like you're set up where you could almost do that yourself. You could be holding classes there where your people are paying you to come to your farm and perform work for you to learn these skills that you're spending yeah. all these hours and days and years of your life developing. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, knowledge is power. Knowledge is knowledge is something that you you my dad and I were talking about this. He's like, man, I got to pass this on to you. I've got so much knowledge and so much that, that, that I need to share with you. And that knowledge is power, whether it's power in the way of being stronger than someone. I don't think so. It's it's being able to 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 feed yourself to to when when something goes wrong to be able to act appropriately you know you know you, everybody here needs to know this what's the dumbest animal on the on the planet what's the dumbest animal you, you can think of and i'll tell you what it is everybody's got an opinion on that one my my opinion is the two-legged variety yeah these mammals these two-legged mammals <laughs> that's yeah. the one in my opinion I'll tell you a life-changing, a guy told me this and it was life-changing for me. The dumbest animal on earth is a squirrel. And why is a squirrel the dumbest animal on earth? Because of shitty critical thinking it. skills. That's why. Yeah. When a squirrel gets in the middle of the road, he goes, hoo, 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 hoo. and you know what, guys? If you just set your sail in one direction and adjust your check your fly to, to the way that you, you make a decision, you stick with that decision, and you check your fly to fix whatever issues that come along with that decision, then you'll be okay. If you don't, yep. then you will fail. And that is it. Yep. Nobody succeeds by going, hoo, 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 hoo. they just don't do it. Agreed. Well, Josh, thanks for being here, man. Um, really enjoyed having you on. I wish we had more time with you because you've got just a damn wealth of information. Um, yeah, but don't forget, fun, guys, we'll, we'll be on Patreon, on Rumble for a little while after this. You guys know those last... 30 minutes-ish, give or take, uh, where you guys won't be able to ask questions, sadly, uh, unless there's somebody monitoring them and throws them over our way. But we'll continue these discussions a little bit over there. So, again, Josh, thanks for being here. T, thank you, brother. Um, hopefully yeah. I'll see you Friday afternoon. You should come over here. I will. I'll see you there Friday afternoon. And uh, and Sue, buddy, thanks for being here. And uh, Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm going gonna, gonna to be watching YouTube for all weekend. Now, so. Enjoy it. Enjoy <laughs> it. I got a thousand questions for you. All right. Awesome. Come see me, brother. Come see me. Right. Yeah, I check out his that. YouTube channel, guys. He's, he's got a ton of information. Like the videos, yeah. like they said, they cover the gamut of everything and in between. So 1,600 videos out there right now. I imagine right. you're going to be getting some requests for beer shower videos, though. I'm just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> I, that might be your only thing. Song. I seen, I seen plenty of comments wondering about the cow song. I think everybody that struck a chord. Everybody wants to hear there the cow go. song. They want to hear you serenade the cows. Uh, yeah. Well, you're gonna have to come to a live stream out there. Well, you'll hear it. I, I did a. I was live on my channel for an hour and twenty five minutes before you guys. So you can check out the cow song over uh, over on my channel. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, we'll catch you guys on Patreon if you're coming. Josh, thanks for being here. And guys, uh, you know the drill. Be good or be good at it. One of the five things in the First Amendment is the freedom of speech. It doesn't say unless it hurts somebody's feelings.